Good morning, Trinity Church. I hope everyone is doing well today. I can't wait to be back with you in person next week. And I apologize that you have to look at a much larger version of my head on the screen this morning. You'll find that the further away you get, the better I will look. Let me start today with a story, as is my recent custom. In the early part of the 19th century, amid the growing clamor of the Industrial Revolution, a young man named Samuel Logan Brengle stepped off a ship in England. He had left behind a promising ministry in America and one of the best preaching positions available, trading it in for a humble position in the Salvation Army, which was an organization uh, that was still in its infancy. Brengle was a gifted and well-educated man. In America, he was offered a number of prestigious uh, pastorates and the prospect of a very comfortable life. Yet he turned his back on all those enticing opportunities to join the Salvation Army, inspired by their mission to serve the poor and needy. He had a burning desire to make a difference. But little did he know this decision would test him to the core. The Salvation Army, led by William Booth, had a rigorous initiation process. Regardless of their past accomplishments, each new recruit was required to begin their service by cleaning boots. To the highly educated and accomplished Brengle, this task seemed beneath him, yet he swallowed his pride and performed his duties diligently. As the days turned into weeks, the tension began to mount. Brengel's frustration grew. His dreams of making an impact seemed to be replaced by the unending rows of dirty shoes. Doubt clouded his mind, and his patience wore thin. He started questioning his decision, a gnawing uncertainty that echoed with each scrub of the boot brush. Was he just wasting his potential? Was this really what he had signed up for? Each night he would retire to his small room, the stench of shoe polish clinging to his hands, a stark contrast to the sermons and the scholarly discussions he was accustomed to. He felt lost and disoriented, like a ship adrift in a storm. You could even say he was doing a lot of soul searching. Had to get a dad joke in there. Then one day he was uh, summoned by General Booth. As he walked towards Booth's office, his heart pounded in his chest, each beat echoing his mounting dread. Was he being dismissed? Had his inner turmoil been noticed? And the tension was almost unbearable. As he stood at the door, he took a deep breath, stealing himself for what was about to come. With a trembling hand, he knocked. The door creaked open, and General Booth, with his piercing gaze, invited Brengel inside. With a heavy heart, Brengel walked in, bracing himself for the worst. Booth, after a moment of silence, finally spoke. He said, Samuel, do you know why you're here? Now let me pause the story there. And I will reveal the conclusion at the end of the sermon. It relates to our passage today. 
And of course, we are in our current series called The Real Jesus, and this is a journey through the Gospel of Mark. And we'll be in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34 today. We also have Bibles in the pews, uh, which you can use today. And if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, please keep it. Take it home with you. What we all must do, what we have to do, is we have to look at the Jesus of Scripture. That's the real Jesus. That's the Jesus who can set us free, who can satisfy our hearts, and who can heal our pain. So far, we've looked at the nature of the gospel, the good news, and we've looked at the continuity between Old Testament and New Testament. We have looked at Jesus' baptism, Jesus' identity, his time of testing in the wilderness, and his calling the disciples to become fishers of men. We've also looked at the authority of Jesus. And so we continue today to look at Jesus. So let's pray and then uh, let's read. Jesus, um, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for this journey through the Gospel of Mark. Continue to teach us and grow us. Show us your ways. If anyone doesn't know you today, help them find the way to you in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to read Mark 1, uh, verses 29 through 34. So starting at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is God's word. Now they had just been uh, in the synagogue and Jesus had taught with authority and the people were astonished. Jesus cast out a demon. It's amazing. Then they immediately leave the synagogue and they go to Peter's house, otherwise known as Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew. Archaeologists are extremely confident that they've actually found this particular synagogue and this house. The house is actually located very close uh, to the known location of the synagogue. And they actually discovered sacred Greek graffiti on the walls of the house. And it appears to have been turned into a church at one point. Either way, they uh, go to the house of these two brothers, formerly fishermen by trade. And of course, these two brothers are living together. Now, if this is like another pair of brothers I know, who also share the same space, my two teenage sons, then it could be hazardous going to a home occupied by two brothers. Uh, there could be stinky socks, and uh, which is just another reminder why everyone needs the gospel. So uh, more importantly, the, uh, here is uh, what I'm getting at from this passage. There's a big mind-blowing point, right? in front of us. Okay, deep theological insight. And here it is. Don't forget to hang out after church. Told you it's deep, pretty deep. Don't forget to hang out after church, especially if sandwiches are involved, of course. Now, after church is a great time to show some hospitality, whether it's just chatting, 
meeting people, or even like these guys, having some people over after service. And you know, it can be easy for us in our Western individualism to compound, to excuse me, compartmentalize our lives, uh, to just have our own plans. Um, but life with Jesus is different. It's about serving others. So who can we invite over for lunch or for dinner? We don't have to invite everyone. It only mentions that James and John, uh, in addition, uh, come. So true Christian life expands beyond the walls of the church and into the walls of our homes. Having said that, it wasn't just Jesus and these four disciples in this house. Peter's mother-in-law was there as well, and she was sick, probably from the stinky socks. And it is by this fact that we find out that Peter was married, uh, which, to be honest, is slightly awkward, a slightly awkward verse uh, for Catholics in particular. Um, And we love our Catholic friends, but uh, there's no denying it. According to the Bible and the Chosen TV series, uh, Peter was married. The scripture 